you're listening to a message from Lifeway Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, please visit www.lifeway.church. Now, please enjoy this message from our pastor, Bruce Rhodes. trying to arrange it that we would come down out of the ceiling in uh, superhero costumes. No, and I just wanted to wear an armor. You want to? I just wanted to have some armor. <laughs> I'll buy you some armor. Okay. You can't uh, use it against me, though. <laughs> Am I on? Am I good? Yes. Okay. You're on and good. I can't read the mute button on this pack, so. <clears throat> There's awesome. double guys. barrel this Thank morning. You. So you're going to get two barrels full. That's good. That's exciting. We're going to recap. This is week number 10 of The Armor of God. The Armor of God, yes. our Stand Up and Fight, yes. is the title of this message series. And we're going to kind of recap some of, uh, well, all of the armor and the things that we've said over the past 10 weeks. Have you enjoyed this series? It's very good. It's just inexhaustive, I'm telling you. The more we study, the more we find that we haven't had time to deliver because there's just so much to it. So if I you, think it's something we need to do once a year. Yes, I do too. If you want the notes, you can go to lifeway.church forward slash 8 dash today is 11, 8 dash 11 dash 19. You see it up there on the screen. Uh, let's pray before we get into the word. Father, thank you. Uh, again, that your word is powerful and it's sharp and it's quick and it's, uh, it goes to our heart. Father, th- this is where we need change in our lives. We need to see things the way that you see them so that we can do what you want us to do. And so let this word this morning uh, sink into our heart. Let it be planted into our heart so that it affects the way we speak, the way that we think, and the way that we act. In Jesus' name, Hallelujah. amen. 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 So I, I said just a little bit about the, the, the times we're living in. And guys, we have to be very aware. Mm-hmm. I need, we, we need to be very aware as the church that the things that are happening in the world is not just flesh against flesh. Right. It's a, a spiritual enemy yes. called the devil. And he's out to steal, kill, and destroy. This is John 10.10, 10, guys, that's happening in the earth today. Yes. And now the devil wants people to be against each other. He wants races to be against each other, nations to be against each right. other, family. family to be against each other. He, he, he is pushing people in a, in a crazy fast way yes. to become mentally uh, handicapped and mentally ill to, to execute these, these mass shootings all over the earth. And fear is coming on the hearts of men and women with, with God and without God. But we as the church need to stand up, put on our armor, mm-hmm. and remember some things right. uh, before we step out of, uh, of our door, our, our front door, our car door, wherever we go during the day, right? Yes. God has provided this armor for us that we've been talking about these, these weeks and how to walk and live by faith and so that we are uh, filled with purpose and filled with the life of God as we go about in this 
world that we're living in. So there is an enemy. This is what we've said from the very beginning. There's an enemy. His name is Satan. He is the devil. And we are at war every day. It's a spiritual war. And people don't see that and they don't recognize it. Because it happens in the flesh. It happens in the natural realm. But it is a spiritual war. Right? Because the devil works through people. So that's the realm that we live in, the physical realm, but he comes and he works through people. He has to have a vehicle to operate in the earth, so it's through the human body. But you have to understand, it's the spirit behind that that we're fighting, not that person, right? That's right. So let's read Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18, which was our textual scripture. Finally, my brethren... Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you, may, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Wiles is just schemes, it's just tactics, it's just strategies. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts, of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. That's the second time that he said that. So it's important that we take the armor, that we put it on, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, what do you do? Keep standing. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take the shield of faith with which you can quench the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. In 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9, it talks about how be sober-minded, be watchful. You know, we can't just have our head buried in the sand. We can't have a blindfold on and just say, it's not going to happen to me, it's not going to happen to me. No, we've got to be vigilant, we've got to be watchful, we've got to be alert because there is an enemy. Now, he's not going to defeat us, we're going to defeat him. Jesus has already defeated him on the cross. We just have to walk it out, right? But this is what it says. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. For your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the whole world. So if we resist him, he has to flee. You submit to God. This is what James says. When we submit to God, submit to his word, we resist the devil, say, no, not here in Jesus' name. He has to leave. He has to flee. He has to bow his knee. Amen. The last part of this verse says, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And uh, also 1 Peter four twelve says, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal or fiery trials that has come to test you as though something strange were happening to you. 
One of the devil's schemes and tactics is, is to say, you know, nobody else is going through what you're going through. Right. And if, yep. if, you had, if you were really close to God and you really had enough faith, then you wouldn't be experiencing this fiery test. Right? Can anybody identify with that? Yeah. But the Bible says, don't be surprised. <laughs> don't think it's strange that what you're going through is, right. is happening to you. In other words, get your eyes off of the, the, the smoke screens and all the symptoms and, and all of the circumstances and remember, remember that, that God is for us who could successfully re remain our enemy. If God is for us and the greater one is right. in us, we will not fail. Amen. Right? Even if they should happen to throw us in the fiery furnace. God right. is with us. We will not perish. Right. And you know, something else that, that I want to bring up is if you're not doing any damage to the kingdom of darkness, if you're not a threat to the enemy, he's probably not going to bother you. Right? If you're a threat to him, he's going to launch attacks against you. So let that just be sort, some sort of a clue or, you know, a highlight that if, if things are coming against you, it's because you're doing something right <laughs> for the Lord Jesus Christ. So, you know, it may not make it any easier, right. <laughs> but at least we know that he hasn't singled us out. That's right. Right. We say that God is no respecter of persons, but neither is the devil. That's right. He's got a target on each one of us trying to wipe us out. But listen, there's good news because we have the armor of Amen. God. We have the armor of God. We said this in the very beginning, but Paul, when he was writing this to the Ephesian church, he was actually in jail. And he had a person assigned to him. Um, because of his life, what, what, his, Paul's life was full of the supernatural and things that happened in his life. Um, they were afraid that, that God was just going to, um, how do you say, help him to escape supernaturally from the prison. So they yeah. assigned a Roman uh, soldier, soldier to Paul. And so Paul is is writing this letter to the Ephesian church and talking about this armor that yes. this Roman soldier yep. had on. Yes. So he's describing this armor. The first thing he says is the belt of truth. Yes. And the belt is the very first thing that we put on for, for our armor. It's the very thing that we put, the very first thing that we put on. And the belt of truth is... Uh, Actually, the Word of God. John 17, 17 says, it's Jesus praying to the Father, and He said, Father, sanctify them with Your truth. Your Word is truth. And so this belt of truth is the Word of God, and it's something that we have to put on. It's the foundation. The Word of God is our foundation, and it says who we are, and it says what we do, what we can do. The truth of God's word declares who we are and it declares what we can do. Right. right? And so we have, we have to put this belt around us because everything else is held up. This breastplate and, and everything besides, you know, maybe the helmet is held up by this belt of truth. And so we want our belt on tight. Yes. You yes. know, you don't want a loose belt on that's holding up everything because if you have to run into the battle you don't want everything to fall fall off and you lose all of your armor right, right. that wouldn't be a very good scene running into the battle with everything falling off that's 
That's right. And so we have to make sure that it's tight so that nothing will come loose and fall off so that we can move swiftly and intently against the enemy. Amen. You know, I was thinking about this and how, you know, the enemy, the devil is, is called the father of lies. And all he has is lies. Yep. He doesn't have the truth. The truth is not in him. That's right. And so everything, his foundation, his belt is lies. <laughs> and his, yes. the foundation yes. of his kingdom are lies. Yes. And you know, the thing about lies is it eventually comes unraveled. It eventually falls down. It's like a house of cards. Lies fall. And so because the enemy's kingdom is based on lies and he can only use lies against us, he's the father of lies and the truth is not in him. When we're wrapped up tightly with the word of God and the truth of God, we can recognize the lies. We can recognize his lies and we can resist his lies and we can counterattack with the truth of God's word every time. That's right. Just remember, no matter how hard the enemy's coming against yep. you, all he has is lies. That's right. We have the truth. That's good. That's why one can put a thousand to flight and two can put ten thousand to flight. Amen. We have the truth. Praise God. It's our belt. So everything that he tells you. If he whispers these things, automatically discount it because it's a lie. He can't tell you the truth. Amen? Right. So the next thing that we talked about was the breastplate of righteousness. Right? This isn't, this isn't the greatest replica, <laughs> but it's all we could come up with for today. But when we put on the breastplate of righteousness, we're equipping ourselves with who we are in Christ. That's what that is. This breastplate of righteousness is your identity in him. And what's great about the breastplate of righteousness is it protects the vital organs. Right? Knowing who we are in Christ protects the rest of our body. It protects our mind. It protects our heart. It protects our emotions. We cannot fight spiritual battles with true success and victory unless we know who we are in Christ. Because you've got to be able to wield the sword of the Spirit with confident assurance. And if you don't know who you are in Christ, then you can't say, back off in the name of Jesus. Because when we speak the Word of God, He has to know that we mean business, that we're serious. And if He doesn't, He's just like, you're just playing around. You don't really mean what you say. Because you just say all kinds of things. So it's very important that we as Christians, as we as believers, say what we mean and mean what we say so that we don't confuse our own heads and our own heart and our own faith, right? So, because no matter what the enemy says or threatens, we know by our rights of inheritance, we have authority. We have jurisdiction. Did you know that? If you are a child of God, if you are a born-again believer, by right of inheritance, you have jurisdiction, you have authority, so you can use the name of Jesus, right? If an uncle of mine gave me a million dollars, and it's in the bank, it belongs to me. It doesn't belong to anybody else, right? So you can't access that, but I can. Jesus 
has given every single one of you as a believer, as a born-again believer, child of God, woman, son or daughter of God, it's your right to use his name and the blood of Jesus. So we've got to use it. Amen? You know, taking hold of the truth of, of what the word says and walking in our identity um, as that son or daughter changes the way you act and think. Because it, you can walk confident. You can walk with assurance. It's not arrogance. It's not pride. It's confident assurance on who you are in Jesus. Who he's made you to be. He's given you all these weapons. He said, they're mine, and they custom fit you. It's a supernatural thing. It's the armor of God, but it custom fits each single one of us. Isn't that awesome? You know, our attitude has everything to do with how well we do in the middle of a fight. If we're mentally and emotionally defeated before we enter a fight, we probably won't win it. So you've got to know who you are. Your mental attitude will determine the outcome, right? So by, develop, by developing an attitude of righteousness in our lives and learning how to view ourselves like Jesus does, we conduct ourselves with divine confidence and boldness. Let me read you this verse, 1 Peter 1.13. And this is the message version. I really like this. It says, so roll up your sleeves and put your mind in gear. Be totally ready to receive the gifts that Jesus gave. What gift did he give? Righteousness, salvation, right standing with the Father. Don't lazily slip back into those old patterns of uh, doing what you feel like doing. But be obedient and let yourselves be pulled into that way of life shaped by God's life. A life that's energetic and blazing with holiness. God said, I am holy. So you be holy. So after the breastplate of righteousness, uh, it's listed in Ephesians chapter 6 that, that we have these shoes, these special shoes of peace. And uh, it's very significant that our shoes are shoes of peace. Yeah. Now, we're in war and we're in a battle, and uh, they, they, they have to be battle-ready shoes, yeah. meaning they have to be able to take us a long distance and they have to be able to hold uh, ground because if we're taking our stance against the enemy, we don't want to go backwards. We want to go forward, right? Yes. We don't want to be pushed back. We want to hold our ground. So yes. these have to be special shoes. But uh, the Bible says that they're shoes of peace. Mm. The, the, the importance of shoes in a battle is, is, is paramount. Yes, it is. Our shoes are, how would you like to fight a battle barefooted? Not, not, not cool. And so the soldier, the soldier, soldier carries the weapons, but the shoes carry the soldier with the weapons. So important, these shoes. So important. And, and to signify the importance of peace, these peaceful shoes is... When we're in the middle of a battle, there's chaos all around, yep. right? Yes. There are things going off, and the enemy is purposely trying to distract your attention yes. so that you are knocked off of your footing, mm -hmm. and peace is so important in 
in the middle of what's going on. We have to be at peace so that we can hear our commander tell us what to do. Tell us what weapon to use. Tell us what scripture to use. And so peace is important in the middle of the battle. How can we tell if we have uh, maybe our shoes on or our shoes off? Or let me say it another way. If the voice of the enemy is louder than everything else, it could be that we've just misplaced our shoes of peace. So if the enemy's voice is loud, run and look, find out where you left your shoes. Put your shoes a piece on. That's good. Right? Uh, Philippians says it like yep. this. Um, be anxious for nothing. Yes. But in everything, in everything, everything. by prayer and supplication, let your requests be yes. made known unto God. Yes. Right? The very end of that in Philippians, the peace of God will come over you and mount guard around you, protect you from all of the external circumstances. It doesn't do away with the circumstances, but it protects you so that you can hear the voice of your commander say, say this, or he'll say, do this, or do that. Or go here, or go there, or say this, or say that. So it's important that we walk in peace. John 14, 25 Mm -hmm. through 27, Jesus said it like this, and this is the New International Version. They'll put it up on the screen. He said, all of this I've spoken while I'm still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, and he will remind you of everything that I've said to you. And then he said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. So there's a, di- a direct connection between peace and the words that the Holy Spirit's reminding us that Jesus said. Because he said, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Amen. When we have these special shoes on, we're able to take each step in peace. And the ability for us to keep focused in chaos will win the battle. And you know what? Those pieces of armor work together. Yes. You can be in that supernatural peace because you're righteous. You are the righteousness of Christ, and it protects you. The breastplate protects you so that you can hear that you have the right to walk in that divine, supernatural peace because you're righteous. So all these pieces work in conjunction with each other. Then there's the shield of faith. Yes. The shield of faith. Ephesians 6.15 says, Above all, above all taking the shield of faith. That word above all in the Greek means out in front or covering all. When I taught about this a couple of weeks ago, it was more than a couple of weeks ago, but see, it's as big as a door. The shield that the Roman soldier carried, there were two shields. He had a round shield like this one, and this was more for like ceremonies and celebrations. It was more for looks, you know, if he was taking photographs. 
This is for battle. For his Instagram feed. Yes, that. Selfies. Instagram, selfies and stuff like that. This is for war. This is for battle. It's as big as a door. But they were to carry it out in front of them to protect all the other pieces of armor, okay? And then a great thing about these shields were when all the soldiers locked them together, it became a tortoise shell. Isn't that awesome? So they could walk in sync, unity, two, together, and it was like a big giant tortoise. Did I go backwards? We didn't practice this. We, and we only, have, we only have one shield. That's right. But you get the picture. If you Google it, you can see an actual picture. It's awesome. It really is. But let me tell you, let's talk about this shield of faith. So the shield of faith represents the word of God, right? Okay. So our faith is to be held out in front of us, not behind us, not beside us. Faith is out in front. We keep the word of God out in front of us so that we can block every fiery missile, every arrow that he throws at us. Because he throws stuff at us all the time. Thoughts, imaginations that come to us, and then things that people might say or whatever. I mean, it's a missile, it's a dart, it's a shot, whatever it is, but you've got to be able to block it. You've got to block it. Even in the middle of the night. Yes. And so somebody said this morning, Pastor, we never take our armor off. In the middle of the night. You know, the enemy loves... Yeah to tap on your shoulder in the middle of the night and wake you up, give you some fear, thought of fear. Well, it's because of the dark. Yeah. He likes the dark. He loves the dark. Yeah. Because you, you can't see what's, what's out there. Right. Right? Yeah. That's why, as parents, now let me just give you a, a, a hint as parents. Don't make your kids scared. They're going to have to deal with fear enough in their life. If you have a teen that wants to constantly watch terror, terror, terror movies, no. We're not playing terroristic games in the house. There's fear. You're just breeding fear. Don't breed fear. Breed faith. That's right. Right? Amen. There's enough fear. So right. we take the shield of faith yes. and say no to fear. That's right. Know the fear. Remember that the shield of faith, these shields were made of leather, but they were layer upon layer upon layer upon layer of leather, all right? But to uh, make them supple and flexible, they had to rub them with oil, okay, so that they wouldn't be brittle and break because when leather gets old and it gets dry and brittle, it'll just break and you can just crack it. So they had to rub it with oil. But an interesting fact, too, is right before war, they would take these big shields and they would soak them in water. So it would be soaking wet. Why? Because when the enemy shot arrows that had fire on the end of them, they would hit the shield and they would be extinguished. Quenched. Extinguished. They would be quenched yeah. and just out. So that's what we have to do. We have to spend time in the Word, spend time in worship, spend time with the Lord, developing our faith, oiling it with the oil of the Holy Spirit. 
fellowshipping with him, getting to know this word, because the more word that you know down on the inside of your heart, when he comes, your shield of faith is going to confront him immediately and drop, that thing's going to drop as dead to the ground. Right? Right. Let me just say something about the, the, the reality of this message here, guys, where we're living right now. Yeah. In light of this past week, the enemy's plan is to make us, people living on the earth, afraid to go to Walmart, for instance, or anywhere that you shop or anywhere that there's a lot of people, for fear of some crazy with a gun. Guys, we have to use our shield of faith when we walk out the door, before you walk out the door, to cast down, capture and cast down those uh, thoughts right. that are coming against you. You might lose your life if you go outside the house. I mean, the enemy is, is trying all that he can to get people to stop living life. Right. Because if you stop living life, then you're not going to come against him. You won't do anything to come against him and stand your ground, then he's won. He doesn't really care if you go to hell or not. He can defeat you and you can still go to heaven. But don't live in defeat. Don't live in fear. He wants to paralyze you and terrorize you and keep you in a corner where you're not doing anything. He really I'm afraid to go out. Really doesn't want you to interact with people. Right. Because you won't be able to let your light shine. That's right. Before men, women, boys and girls, right? We're just going to stay in our little house and play video games on our games and just I swore uh, no more and we'll be safe. Watch Netflix all night. No. We need to be interacting, connecting with people. And where are the people? They're out. So we've got to climb out from under that barrage of fear that's, that's right. coming with the shield of faith and say, no, no. Right. We see your tactics. We see your plan. And we've got our shield up. And next, we're going to talk but about the you, helmet. If you pray and you ask the Lord, do I need to go now? That's what the Holy Spirit is for. The Holy Spirit will direct you. He will speak to you. He'll tell you when to hold back. He'll tell you when to go forward. He'll tell you when to turn. He will give you specific direction. One thing I want to add here, too, is we're saying, it may come across as though we're saying, you just do this and the devil will stop. You just do this and the situation will just bow its knee. Yes, but it said, when you've done all to stand, you got to what? you got to keep standing. Yeah. So you maybe have been standing for a year. You may have been standing for two years. You may be going on your fifth year. But you keep standing. Keep standing. You keep standing. You keep speaking the word. Keep your armor on. Keep your armor on. That's and right. run, ar run around with people who wear their armor too. Yes. Right? <laughs> I want to read this to you. Psalms 28, verses 7 and 8. Write this down. This is the Amplified Version. It says, The Lord is my strength and my impenetrable shield. My heart trusts in and relies on and confidently leans on Him. If you confidently lean on the Lord, He's going to hold you up. So you may be feeling weak. You may be feeling faint. But you know what? He's got your weight. Good job. 
I got you. And I am helped. I know you do. You got my back, don't you? I do. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices, and with my song, I will praise him. I don't just praise him when I'm feeling good. I don't just praise him when everything's pretty. I got to praise him when it's ugly. That's faith. You got to praise him when it's stinky, dirty, ugly, nasty. You got to praise him. Amen? The Lord is our unyielding strength, and he is the stronghold of salvation to me. That's Psalms 28, verses 7 and 8. And Psalms 512, awesome. For you, Lord, will bless the uncompromisingly righteous, him who is upright, as with a shield. shield. And you will surround, surround him, him with goodwill and favor. God surrounds you. You know, that, isn't that awesome? You've got the shield here, but he's got, he's your rear guard. The Lord God is your rear guard. So you're not going to get stung in the butt. He's got you covered. <laughs> You've got your shield up and you don't need to worry about your hindquarters. He's got you. That's what the word says. We either believe this or we don't. We are called That's what? Right. Believers. And That's believers right. what? Believe. We, we believe. believe the word. Yes. This is final authority on all things, right? This is not to be questioned. Amen? Shield of faith is big. Don't ever, yes. never let it down. Yes. Helmet of salvation. Proverbs 4, 23 from the contemporary English version says this. More than anything that you guard, protect your mind mm. for life flows from it. One version says your heart. Out of, the issue, out, of, out of your heart flow the issues of life. This says protect your mind because life flows from your mind. Now, I want to, uh, we need to think we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in the body. Part of our soul is our mind, right? right? Yes. Our mind, our will, and our emotions. Mm -hmm. Those three things make up our soul. And so our mind is important because the enemy has a target on our mind. Because our mind is our command and control center. That's right. It's your C2, as they use in the military. It's the C2. And the enemy is out to, to, to take out the C2. Yep. Or at least jam it up. So that life will stop flowing and it will be harder to resist him. You see this with people that are facing tremendous mental illness. Mm -hmm. Some of it is chemical, caused by chemicals. Some of it is genetic. But listen, whether you're dealing with mental illness genetically or caused by chemicals or some other reason, Jesus heals. Amen. He heals. He heals the and he can turn any situation around. Right. Amen. Ma make something abnormal, normal in a second. Hallelujah. But we see it in, in full, full manifestation today. This, mental, this thing called mental illness. The enemy has a threefold plan against our mind. Number one, to question. Mm -hmm. He wants our, us to question in our mind. Did God really say? We yes. see this in Genesis chapter yep. 3 and verse 1. The serpent came to, to Adam and Eve. And he said, did God say, don't touch that fruit? Well, he, he's using information that was wrong against someone who really wasn't uh, well informed. <laughs> and so 
it was an attack against the mind to get us to question God's word. And, and the enemy will come and say, did God really say that you could be healed? Did God really say that? So you have to know the word. You have to put on the helmet of salvation. The second thing that he, he, he does by getting us to question, he wants us to move to this place of confusion, to be confused about it. And, uh, you know, Jesus uh, de defeated the enemy when he, in, in Matthew, where he came back and refuted what the, what the enemy was, was doing, the strategy of the enemy, strategy of the devil, Jesus used the word against him. That's right. In the middle of that confusion that, that the enemy was trying to create there. The, the final step that the enemy tries to come against us with is paralyzation. He tries to paralyze us yes. to where we just back off and back down and go sit in the corner and become quiet. He, wants you, he doesn't want you to stand up against him. He doesn't want you to say, it is written. That's right. And so that's his plan to get you painted into a corner so, so that you can't do any harm to him. He wants him. to steal your voice. He wants, to, he wants you to be quiet. Yeah. As long as you be quiet, as long as you're over by yourself, he wants to single you out and keep you quiet. Then you're no threat to him. But the Bible says in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, that we have the mind of Christ. Amen. So there's three things you need to know about the mind of Christ. Number one, we have it. Everybody say, I have, I have the, mind the mind of Christ right now. Right now. It, this is not going to happen when we all get to heaven. This is ha has happened right now. That's right. That's you right. have the mind of Christ. And we have the ability to, to think the thoughts of Christ. I know the Bible said, God, God says, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. But he didn't say that to try to keep us low. He said that so that we would exchange our thoughts for his yes. thoughts Amen. and be able to think with the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. Right. Say, I have, I have the, mind of Christ the mind of Christ right now. Right now. And the second point we need to remember about the mind of Christ is that we have to choose to use it. We have to choose to use it. It's not automatic just, just because you got born again and just because you got the helmet of salvation doesn't, doesn't mean that it's automatically working. Right. So every day we have to, we have to renew our minds. Yes. And when we renew our minds, we are activating the mind of Christ. That's right. Now, Romans 12, 1 and 2 in the Message Bible says it like this. You have to so see good. this. And I think they'll probably put it up on the screen. Romans yeah. 12, 1 and 2 out of the Message. Paul says this. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life. And he says every day on purpose because every day we need to take our everyday, normal, ordinary, working so life. So this is, isn't just for people in the ministry no. or... Everybody. Everybody. Every age, parents, you need to teach your children this. Every day, we're going to take our everyday, ordinary life yep. to God. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work and walking around life. And place it before God. Place it before God as an offering. Physically do this. Mentally do this. Purposely do this every morning. God, I'm placing my everyday life before you. I'm giving it to you as an offering. My eating, my walking around, my going to work, everyday life before you. 
and then embrace what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. God has been faithful to you, and you can be faithful to him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture, the culture of fear, guys, because the world's culture is filled with fear. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Or in other words, think with the mind of Christ. Think. Instead, fix your attention on God. Think. Fix your attention on God. Think with the mind of Christ. Fix your attention on God. Think with the mind of Christ. Okay, I want to add something in here. We've got a huge culture of Facebook, right? It's our culture. But maybe we shouldn't fit in it so easily as we do. Maybe we should hold back and not say some things that we might be saying. I don't know. That's personal. But I am throwing it out there. Because is that time that we're spending on Facebook throwing it out there, posting it out there, time that we can be spending here with the Lord? Is that time that we could be spending listening to Him? Or possibly, possibly, if we dedicate our life and commit our life and give our life as an offering first thing in the morning, we won't say some of the things we say on Facebook later on during the day. We might say something constructive, positive, or we might not get riled up when your friend defriends you, befriends you, disses you, or thumbs you down, or whatever whatever you do. Fix your attention on God. Everybody say, fix your attention on God. Fix your attention. It's so good when you do that. Amen. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. And the, the last thing that we should remember about the, uh, the mind of Christ is that we use the mind of Christ, the helmet of salvation, the mind of Christ, we use it to identify the incoming thoughts. Yeah. Incoming thoughts that hit the shield of faith. When, they, when the thoughts, when you have your shield of faith up and you capture that thought, then you use the mind of Christ, the That's helmet, right. to identify, okay, let's see, is that thought in line with this word? Let's see. I'm stupid and I'm a failure and I'll never amount to anything. No, that, that thought doesn't line up with this That's word. Right. Therefore, I cast that thought down in Jesus' name. I'm not a failure. God made me a success. Success Success lives in me. Solutions live in me. Amen. Solutions live in me. Listen, if you hook up with God and find solutions for life, you'll always be successful. That's right. This world wants solutions. There's enough problems. Mm -hmm. God will give you the solutions. But we have to identify the thoughts that are coming into our mind by 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 6. It says, Though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds and casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. You have to know the knowledge of God, the Word of God, and bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Amen. We judge the thoughts that come to us. Philippians 4, 8. I call it the P48 filter. Philippians 4, 4, 8. It says, 
Think on these things, the things that are true and honest and lovely and good report. If there be anything of virtue, life-giving things, think on these things. So if it gives us, if the Word of God gives us a list of things to think on, everything outside of that are things that we shouldn't think on. Right? right? All right. So before you go to the sword of the Spirit, I want to read something in Luke chapter 4. Now this is when Jesus had just been baptized in the river Jordan. And so it says, Then Jesus, full of and controlled by the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. This is when the devil uh, tormented him and tempted him for 40 days and 40 nights, right? Did you know that he tempted him with his identity? The devil came, at Jesus, came against Jesus regarding his identity because he knew how powerful that was. So if he comes at Jesus tempting him and poking him about his identity, don't you think he's going to do it to you and I? Because he says, if you are the son of God, if you really are the son of God, then turn these stones into bread. Well, Jesus could have, but he didn't. How did he resist him with the word? So if Jesus had to resist the enemy with the word, we're going to have to do it too, right? That's right. But that just when the Lord, some years ago, he showed that to me, that he, he tempted Jesus with his identity. If you really are the son of God, are you the son of God? Because if you are, you could do this. So if you're not going to do that, maybe you're really not the son. Oh, yes, he was. He knew who he was. But there was something that he had. He, there was an order that he had to follow. Amen? So we have to take the sword of the Spirit. Now, this is just a sword. There's many types of swords, and the Romans had many yeah. types of sword, depending on how close they were to the enemy. And yeah. we believe that there's also included in this offensive weapon a lance of, the, lance of prayer. Uh, but the sword of the Spirit, Ephesians 6.18 says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end. Uh, there's, there's, there's this sword of the Spirit. And Pastor Sheila was talking about the word of God that we take against the enemy. Yes. Sometimes we say the word and sometimes we pray the word. But the word is the thing that does the work. Amen. The word is the thing that puts the enemy to flight, right? I can do much more damage with this than I can with my fist, right? Right. There's some guys that are this tall that would not be afraid of my fist. But if I come at them with this, <laughs> right? Is that a double-edged sword? Uh, this is not a double-edged sword. Okay, well. It's not a double-edged sword, but that's a plastic one, so... You weren't supposed to say that. <laughs> I, I won't hit you with my sword, but... Guys, the sword does the work. Amen. The sword does the work, but we have to know the sword. We have to right. put it in our heart that's right. and let it come out our mouth. That's why we cannot remain silent. People are not our enemies, that's right. guys. The, the devil is our enemy. So we don't use the sword against people. Right. We use the sword against the against enemy. Against the enemy. 
All right. Can we talk about the double edge, though? Yes. Because, um, this is a double-edged sword. The Word of God is a double-edged sword. One side is the Word of God that He has spoken. Okay? He spoke the Word, right? But the other side, the double-edged side, is you speaking the Word. So if God's spoken it, and then you're speaking God's Word, that's a double barrel. That's a double-edged sword. And that offers a deadly blow to the enemy, right? Um, when that word of God rises up out of your spirit and invades your understanding, and then it comes out of your mouth with authority, it deals a lethal blow to the enemy. That's why you got to know the word, walk in the word, speak the word. Amen? Um, in Hebrews 4.12, it says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. So a two-edged sword is sharp, but that's sharper than any two-edged sword. And it divides between the soul and the spirit, between the joints and the marrow. It is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. I wrote this in my notes. I said the word cuts through all the flesh, all the junk, all the emotions, and it goes straight to the heart of the matter. It divides between the soul and the spirit and the flesh and the spirit. Amen. So, guys, when, when the thought comes at us, we catch it with, our, with the shield of faith. Yeah. We have the helmet on so that we examine where the thought came from. Is this in line with the, with the Word of God or not? And if it's not, <laughs> I extinguish it. I stomp it out. Then I take the sword. I mean, you know, this action is good by putting out the thoughts. But I don't yeah. stay silent. Right. I take right. up the word of God yeah. in my mouth. Hallelujah. And I launch it at the enemy. Yes. Just like Jesus did. Yeah. No. It is written. It is written. It is written. We have to, we have to know what is written. That's, right. That's why it's so important that we spend time daily in the word of God. Right. Knowing what is written. And then there's prayer, this lance of prayer that we have. The lance of prayer and supplication. So really quickly, uh, most commentators and expositors and theologians agree that the Roman soldier had seven pieces of armor. Um, they've written that Paul's list was incomplete, but we know that the Holy Spirit is never wrong. So when Paul, by revelation by the Holy Spirit, said, put on the whole armor of God, all the pieces were there. Okay? So even though... Um, the lance was not specifically listed. It was an essential part of the Roman soldier's armor, okay, and weaponry. So, um, and this comes from Pastor Rick Renner is, you know, where we come into agreement with this, okay? But the seventh piece of the armor of God is the lance of prayer and supplication. They're over there behind the lights. I forgot to get them. I'm sorry. But, so Ephesians 6.18 says, says this, praying always with all prayer and all supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and for supplication for all the saints. Nothing can be compared to a believer's prayer of faith that's filled with authority. This kind of prayer will mortally wound the enemy and the unseen foe that's attempting to attack us as believers. We hurl this lance 
of intercession, and it thwarts the plan of the enemy. That's why prayer is so important. What if the body of Christ came together in unified prayer? What if we all came on Saturday morning to prayer? Just saying. What would the Lord do? What would that open the heavens to do if we were all here on Saturday morning to pray? Prayer. We can't do, we can't be victorious without prayer. You know, you've got all the pieces of the armor, but if you don't have prayer, you lack power. Prayer is the powerhouse. It's the engine room of the church and of our personal lives. Do you believe that? The enemy is out to destroy and completely annihilate the body of Christ. The church as we know it. He wants to place such a negative spin on the church. Taint pastors. Give it such a bad name that people won't come anymore. But we've got to know and understand the power that we have as the corporate body of Christ. With unified, focused, intentional prayer, we can utterly, and I chose to use these words on purpose, destroy, obliterate, wipe out, Eliminate, exterminate, and extinguish, and eradicate every plan, every tactic, every strategy of the enemy. That's what prayer will do. It will put him on the run, the enemy. Y'all believe that? We can defeat him with the power of corporate and united prayer. And not not just corporate united prayer in the church, but it's important that we as individuals, couples, pray together. Pray over your children. Pray over your family. Pray over your marriage. Prayer is important. When we lance, when we wield the lance of prayer and supplication, we thrust it forward into the spirit realm against the evil works of the enemy. We exercise that power and authority that God's given us. And he's given it to us, to use. Not just to say, oh, isn't this armor lovely? It's sitting on the shelf. It's behind glass because we don't want it to get dusty. We don't want it, you know, to get tarnished or dented. So we have it behind this nice glass. Even have a security alarm on it. What good is it going to do? If we don't use these things, it won't do us any good. Most of the time, I, I, I think that we're, we're defense. We're, we're playing defense. Just back off. Back just off. trying to yeah. hold our ground. But yeah. I believe the Lord wants us to, to, to take some offense. And prayer is this way of getting out ahead, yeah. ahead of this defensive position. And so Lord, the Lord gives us strategic ways to pray. And he shows us yes. there's, there's keys to prayer. The Bible talks about being alert in prayer. Be alert. The enemy is, is seeking whom he may devour. Right. Be alert. So we have to stay alert. We have to use the word, like Pastor Sheila said, Hebrews 4.12. It's alive. The word does the work. And then we have to persevere. We have to not give up. Right. Listen, the Lord is not finished, and he hasn't given up on us yet. That's right. He hasn't given up on you yet. He is still surrounding us. He is still with us. If God be for us, who can be against us? That's he, right. He's still moving his kingdom forward. Amen. And he's called us and given, given us 
this armor ordained us to, to finish what Jesus started. Mm-hmm. Right? Amen. Acts 10.38 says that Jesus, the Son of God, was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. So we should be asking ourselves, since we are in Christ, how many works of the devil did we destroy this week? How many works of the devil are we going to destroy this coming week? Are you with me? Amen. You know, you don't run away from your giant. You don't run away from the giant. Come on now. What did David do? He ran to him. Do you realize, have you ever thought about this? He only picked up five stones from that brook. So, did he think it was going to take five to kill Goliath? Or did he think it was only going to take one and then four, the four others to kill his four brothers? What was in the mind of David? I don't know, but he knew I was going to take that giant down. He was going to take him down. It wasn't a question in his mind. He knew the power of God. He knew the power that backed him. Mm-hmm. Remember, he, Saul said, oh, oh, you're just a little fella. You, you need to wear my armor. And he put it on, and it was like, <laughs> you know, it wouldn't fit. Yeah. It was too heavy. He couldn't use it. Again. He couldn't run in it. Again. He couldn't have been able yeah. to run as Goliath wearing Saul's armor. Again, it's not about the armor. It's about the power of God that comes on you. That's right. That's good. Right? And notice when David took the biggest giant down, all the other little giants ran away. So today, Amen. we're going to take this armor. We're going to take, take communion here in just a moment. It's time for you to take the giant that's been coming against you down. Amen. To stand up in the full armor of God. Take all the weapons of God that that he's given you, the weapon of the word of God, and declare no more, no more, devil. Not here, not, (laughs) never. Not today, never. Right? As as we move to communion, I want to bring out a couple of points about communion. Thanks for listening to the Lifeway Church Podcast. If you'd like to join us in reaching others by partnering with us today, you can give online by visiting us on our website at lifeway.church forward slash give. Thanks for listening to the Lifeway Church Podcast and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this.